0: I'm Zach Gottlieb, I'm 16 years old, and I'm the founder of Talk with Zach, a Gen Z space for important conversations. And today I'm here with Guy Winch, he's an internationally renowned psychologist, and he advocates for integrating the science of emotional health into our daily lives. His science-based self-help books have been translated into 28 languages, and his three TED Talks have garnered over 30 million views. He writes Dear Guy for TED.com, the squeaky wheel blog post for psychologytoday.com, and is the co-host of the Dear Therapist podcast from iHeartRadio. And you can learn more about him at GuyWench.com. So thanks so much for being here today, Guy. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So for many college students, they're having their first relationships and inevitable breakups. And these breakups can be really confusing and painful, but nobody really teaches us how to deal with them. Your TED Talk called How to Fix a Broken Heart has almost 15 million views. And one thing I found surprising is the connection you mentioned between breakups and drug withdrawal. Can you explain that? I'm happy to explain it. And why that's
1: important is because one of the things that happens to us when our heart gets broken is we begin to act in really out-of-sorts ways. We can do desperate things. We'll send a 100 texts in an hour. We'll beg. We'll do all kinds of really wacky things that we would never do otherwise. And a lot of people, when their heart is broken, they're doubly distressed, because not just about the heartbreak, but they're also like, why am I acting this way? What's going on with me? Am I going crazy? What's happening? And the interesting thing is that when we do brain scans... Of people who are heartbroken, literally looking at what's happening in their brain during that time, you see very similar mechanisms get activated during heartbreak, as you see when drug addicts are withdrawing from substances like cocaine and even heroin. Now, if a heroin addict is withdrawing, you wouldn't be surprised that they would do all these really desperate, desperate things that they would never do otherwise, because well, you know they're withdrawing from uh, from heroin or something like that, so That makes sense, but it's very similar in heartbreak. And to know that is important because it helps explain for people why they're acting the way they are, why they feel so desperate, why they feel that nothing in the world matters now other than just getting back to that person and getting that person back in their lives. And so it's an important point for people to understand there's a lot of things going on
0: in your brain that are making you feel and act incredibly desperate. Thanks for explaining that correlation, especially because I think it's shocking to know that something like a breakup is similar to something like being withdrawal from a drug like heroin. Um, yeah. So, is that why we have such a big reaction to breakups? Because sometimes, like, we can't get out of bed, we can't concentrate, other things start to be affected, like our grades. And again, like you mentioned, we can't stop texting them. We'll send like 100 texts in an hour. And then we might also spend all their time like stalking the social media, even though we know it's not rational. That is why those things happen.
1: But I I, want to point out something else. When when our heart gets broken, then we go through a real grieving process. There's a massive loss that happens because, look, I want to say something that some people will be a little surprised by, but I just want to bring it up because it's an interesting thing. There has been a debate, and, you know, I'm just mentioning, there has been a debate in the scientific literature, not about heartbreak, but about love, and whether love should be considered a form of addiction, because love is what sets us up to feel that way, right? And, you know, love is a wonderful thing, it's a romantic thing, but it does things to our brain chemistry that really makes us feel like we need this person, that this person is the answer to everything. And when that gets withdrawn, people can go into what looks like a clinical depression. As you said, they don't get out of bed for days, they don't eat or bathe or take care of themselves for days. What other life experiences can cause that? Well, you know, sometimes some really difficult grief of a, maybe a, a first degree relative. But short of that, there's nothing else that makes us react as powerfully that somebody can be completely fine one day and with one phone call or text later, they are absolutely non-functional. And it's incredibly painful and it impacts us severely. And so we do have to take it more seriously. Now, by the way, Zach, it's not every breakup that's going to do that, right? It's got to be something that's very meaningful to people, but it, it can and it does and and so that's why it's important to talk about so that people understand that the impact
0: of heartbreak is dramatic yeah and another thing is that another difficult part of breakups is that we want closure and you say that closure like knowing why the person broke up with you isn't even that satisfying but most of us still want to know why and think it will make us feel better Can you explain more on this Yes. First of all, here's the problem with
1: closure. People say to me, like, I just want to have the conversation. I just want them to tell me very, very honestly why they broke up. And I'm like, God forbid they tell you honestly why they broke up, because it usually has to do with very boring things, like they weren't committed in the first place, or they did care, but then they kind of drifted emotionally, or there wasn't the right time for them, or they didn't feel like making a commitment. None of those are very satisfying. But if you ask somebody, they're very unlikely to say to you, I have commitment issues. That's why I broke up with you. Or I'm not a very nice person, so I wasn't that serious about it from the beginning. They're not going to say that. What they are going to say is, okay, let me tell you everything that's wrong with you. And nobody wants to hear that. It's actually, and it's not the reason for the breakup. The reasons for the breakup are, you know, that it wasn't the right time, that it wasn't the right match, you know, that the person wasn't committed enough, that they're in college and they just want to have fun and they weren't into being in a serious relationship or they thought they were, but then they met someone else, et cetera, et cetera, you know, et, cetera, et cetera. So we don't usually get the closure. And that is very difficult for people. They do want to know, like, I just need to understand why. But what I say to people is, like, assume that if it happened out of the blue, it was definitely them and not you. Don't assume that you did something especially wrong or that you made this big mistake and that cost you the relationship, unless you can really target it. In other words, sometimes, let's say you cheated on your partner and they break up with you because of it. Now you know why they broke up with you. That one's pretty clear. But don't start thinking about, maybe I said this one thing. Maybe I did that one thing. It's usually not that. It's very, very rarely that. And that can send you down this rabbit hole of second-guessing everything you've done and then feeling very nervous about going on other dates or or being in other relationships because what if you make that vague mistake? Again, it isn't that. It's usually this very unsatisfying thing that it's about the other person and not about you. And then you need to kind of decide on something because that closure is important. So you need to be able to come up with a story that you can tell yourself. Like, you know what? They weren't really into it. They weren't really into commitment. They said they were into commitment, but they weren't. They said it was only, you know, that I was the one and they were fully in love, but maybe they weren't. It wasn't me.
0: So it sounds like when we're seeking closure, we aren't actually getting accurate information, which is really interesting because it feels like closure will tell us exactly why the relationship didn't work out, but instead uh, it it makes us continue the spiral and forces us to ruminate over even the smallest incidents. So yeah, thanks for pointing that out because no one's really gonna say, like I'm breaking up with you because like if someone asked me, like hypothetically, I wouldn't be like, oh, it's because of me or because of like this, that like I would, like I'd probably mention other things that are about the other person. So, yeah, I, I think it's important to remember that it's probably not about you. And if it is, it's probably a combination of multiple things. It's not just all you. Um, so, yeah. And then another thing that keeps us from moving on is that we keep thinking about all the great memories from the relationship and everything we were attracted to about the person. And we, we like idealize that. Instead of having a more balanced view of the good and the bad, it's just they're perfect. The relationship was great. And that just makes us feel worse.
1: It makes us feel way worse. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. I've had patients sit in my office and, and they show me and they say, I just want to show you on the phone how happy we were. And then they'll show me on the phone. They'll, they'll, they'll go through their pictures and they'll quickly pass by the ones in which they didn't look happy. And stop on the ones in which they were blissful for a moment. But they're literally skipping the ones that you didn't look happy here, you look pretty pissed off over there, you look pretty detached over there. You know, and and that's what our mind does. It makes us really curate in an unfortunate way where we think of all the lovely moments and a it was so amazing, or it could be so amazing, and, and and that really sets us up to hurt more. It's like when somebody breaks up with you, your task is to try and reduce the space they take in your thoughts and by constantly focusing on these idealized and, and really inaccurate memories, because yes, those might have been good moments, but there were plenty of bad ones. You know, it's like I've had people who come to my office one week and literally will talk about how much they just are not in love with their partner anymore and how much they want to move on and how their partner's annoying and how they, they kind of hate them in certain moments and they'll go on and on about that. The partner happens to break up with them and they'll come in the next week, but they were perfect for me. And I'm like, they were perfect for you last week. What happened now? Like in other words, but that's what we do. And it's and it's really unfortunate because it makes it hurt even more. And as we said, it hurts a lot. I, I just want to say one thing about the pain. They they did studies about this pain to see. Well, you know, when people who are heartbroken say it really hurts, well, how much does it hurt? In one of the studies, they they actually. I'm just going to get into this for a minute because it's interesting. They recruited people who had just been uh, through a breakup and they were heartbroken. They put them in functional MRI machines, which, if anyone has been in one, it's a tube. It's literally inches from your face. And they had them bring pictures of the person who broke up with them, which they stuck to the top of the tube. So the person is actually looking at the picture who broke their heart, and then they have them relive the breakup to see what happens in the brain. And then they took those same people, and they put heat transducers on their forearms. And those gave a sense of heat for like seven seconds. And you could turn up the volume of that heat and the pain that it created from one to 10. 10 being um, absolutely, you know, they couldn't tolerate that pain for seven seconds, it was so painful. And the equivalent of the pain they felt from heartbreak was around an eight on the transducer. In other words, almost intolerable pain that they couldn't take for seven seconds, that's what they're living with, with heartbreak for way longer than seven seconds. And we know from other studies that that pain like that registers in the brain very similarly To physical pain. So heartbreak really, really hurts and for quite a while.
0: That's just insane to think about. That heartbreak is an eight on that scale. Like it is almost intolerable. And instead of being there for seven seconds, it's a chronic feeling and it is no start. There's no like end date. It's not like in a week you'll be over it. It really depends on the person. And just feeling that, I just, at an eight, just imagining that is so yeah. crazy to think about. And now, like you mentioned earlier, this is really like grieving. Um, it, it can feel a lot like a, a death or a loss like that. So what helps to grieve a breakup? So there's a bunch of things. First of all,
1: people, the wisdom is, oh, it'll feel better in time. And time does help. But when we're trying to get over any kind of emotional pain, whether it's grief, whether it's heartbreak, whether it's rejection, whether it's loss, whether any of the emotional pains that we have, we need to be much more intentional about it because the science is that there's a lot we can actually do to accelerate that and to soothe the pain we have, to minimize it and to make our recovery quicker if we do the right things. With heartbreak, there are two categories of things. There's the stuff we shouldn't do, and there's the stuff we need to do. I, I want to start with the stuff we shouldn't do, if that's okay. Um, you mentioned it before. You know, we, we stalk them on social media. And here's why that's a no-no. You are trying to, again, the goal is reduce their presence in your thoughts. The less you think about them, the less it hurts. The more you look at them on social media, the more it's going to hurt. For one reason. What people put on social media is their good moments. All you're going to see on social media is them happy, them seemingly have moved on, them you know out with friends or maybe even on another date. You're not going to see them crying in a corner because even if they were, they're not posting that on social media. You're not going to see them getting shut down from another date and then being all upset about it because they're not going to post that. So everything you see is going to make it seem like they don't care, they moved on, and that's going to make you feel worse. And it's going to also reinforce the associations you have to them. It keeps reinforcing that idea of thinking about them. So that's a mistake. You really need to delete them from social media, at least temporarily and as much as possible. And I understand that's difficult to do because you're also friends with their friends and their friends will post, but you want to really try and police that because you are. it's like if you had a wound and you'll just be picking at the scab continuously, you're not letting it heal and you need to try to do that. So that's a big don't do. In the category of do number one, surround yourself by people who are supportive, who remind you of your worth, of your value, who appreciate you for being you. Um, that's really, really important. The science is also that as soon as you can get back out into dating again or hooking up or whatever it is that you want to do, um, better because that, that helps move on, even if you're not fully, um, ready. And people say to me like, how do I know? if I'm ready to go out on a date or, or to hook up again or something like that, and I'll be like, uh, don't wait till you think you're ready because you waited too long. My guideline uh, is you can get through the date without crying, you might be ready. You know, it does, it's not a high bar, you know, just try and get yourself, you know, out there again. But the other thing is, if it's been a significant relationship, like in, in other words, if you've been with that person for a while, for a few months or, or longer, then a lot of your life is kind of wound up with them. And that means you really have to fill some of those voids. So if you would spend every weekend doing this with them, what are you going to do now on weekends? You need to actually intentionally go and fill that gap. You know, if if they had stuff in your in your dorm room or something, then put other stuff there. Change the surroundings, change the environment so it doesn't remind you of them consistently. And the other question you can ask, and this is a big one, so I'll just say a little bit about it, is. What did you what did that change about you being with them? Are there things that you uh learned about yourself or that you started doing that you want to keep? What don't you want to keep? Who are you if you're not in that relationship? Some people really become a we in a relationship. It's all about us and we, and then you go from a we to an I, and that in your sense of identity needs some adjusting. You really need to ask yourself, okay, well, who am I now or who do I want to be now that I'm not in this relationship? And and you want to ask yourself those questions, and there are Difficult questions to ponder, but they're important ones.
0: It seems like separation is key to moving on and really creating habits that are different and lasting and just filling that time and filling your life, uh, just filling those holes that the relationship left. And a common scenario that at least I've seen in high school and I know happens in college all the time is that. You say that hope can be incredibly destructive when your heart is broken, but what would someone do if the other person is giving mixed signals? For example, if they say they want to break up or they're not interested in you, but they still flirt when they see you on campus, a glimmer of hope would make it really hard to move on. So what's your advice for a situation like that? That's a great
1: question. I mean, the reason I say that hope can be really destructive is because it's the antithesis of closure. Hope is the opposite of closure. Hope is like let's leave the door open. Why should I try and get over this person if there's any chance that they want to get back to me? I don't want to be over them. I want to be there and and ready because that's kind of what I want theoretically. But it's not what you want. And and that scenario that you described is incredibly common that somebody will break up but then they'll kind of unless you kind of show them that you, you know, you're furious and you can't stand them etc. they'll they'll flirt. They might even want to hook up. You know, again, or something like that. Um, Why? Because it's convenient for them. Why not? The question is, is it useful for you? Now, I want people to think of it this way. If that person broke up with you, and if that person knows, as they probably should, that you're really hurting because of it, how selfish is it of them to flirt with you and to keep you around in that way? How inconsiderate is it of them to toy with your feelings? in that way, to play those kind of games. I think it's such a poor statement about the person. If they're doing that, if they know that you were really hurting, it's so selfish, it's so inconsiderate. And I'm saying that because if that's this case, if they saw that you were really upset, if they saw that you were crying, if they know that you really want them and you're really hurting, you should be angry at them for flirting. You should be really annoyed and say, what are you doing? You know how much you hurt me. Why would you do that? Why would you flirt with me now? It's so unfair. It's so inconsiderate. It should help you see them in a different lens. It should help you realize something about them that maybe you didn't realize, that maybe they're kind of really selfish or immature or inconsiderate or something like that. And so I'm saying that because, like, you get to be angry at that. And I know part of you is like, oh, yay, maybe there's hope. But the other part should be like, wow, but what a... What a crappy move to make. That's so unfair. And and
0: get angry about it because you should be. This really goes back to that idealizing point where now is a really good time where you could say, you know what, even if, like, however I felt about them before, they're acting really immature right now. Or this is a really bad thing to do. This is really inconsiderate of them. And it puts them out of that place in your mind of they're perfect, they're amazing, and instead shows that they're doing something that's not really considerate of your feelings. And yeah, so so I think that's really important to remember for a situation like this. And it's deflecting the hope and also minimizing something else they might be uh, dealing with. It could also be difficult to move on in college because we all live and go to class together. So at some point we'll see them again, and we'll also see them date other people. How do we deal with this jealousy? That's really, really tough,
1: and college is especially tough, and high school, because you're kind of a captive audience. You, you might, have, this might have happened at the beginning of the semester. You have three classes with them. You're going to see them all the time. And they're going on with their lives. So unless they're really considerate, you'll just see them happy and moving on and dating again or you know whatever it is. It is a very, very difficult thing to deal with. The best thing that you can do is move on with your life too. Again, it's very, very tempting to sit in class and just look at them and look at what they're doing. But when you're looking at them, you're not looking at you. When you're looking at what they're doing, you're not looking at how you're feeling. You have the rebuilding to do, you have the recovery to do. You should focus on you. So if you have a class with them, make sure you go to that class with a friend or two. Make sure you sit with a friend or two. Hopefully the friend or two will help distract you or help take your mind off it when something like that is going on. And it's fair to try and avoid situations. Don't go to the party if they're going to be there, you know, if you can, or find a different area of the party to be in so that you don't have to see them all the time. Go with a friend, have the support system around you. But that's why, especially, it's important to do this de idealizing thing. What I suggest to people is that they make a list on their phone. Um, and that list has, has, you know, three columns. Uh, I like, I, in the, my TED talk, I just made one, but, but uh, that was shorthand. There are three columns for the list. Number one, all the ways they weren't right for you. So they didn't like the things that you like, they didn't like your friends, you know, like all the ways they were wrong for you as a person. The second column is all the way the relationship didn't work for you, that you had a hard time getting them to commit, that they wouldn't be considerate enough, that they'd say they'd do something, but then they didn't show up, all those ways that they weren't considerate or they weren't great in a relationship. And the third column is all the compromises you made, the friends you stopped hanging out with because they didn't especially like them, the things you stopped doing because they weren't into them. Make those lists and make them exhaustive because those will help remind you yeah, this is all the ways we weren't good for one another. These are all the ways I didn't like the way I was treated in this relationship. These are all the compromises I made, which I wish I didn't have to make. Those are really useful reminders, and refer to that list. Sorry, refer to that list often. You need to remind yourself of that often.
0: That's a great way to uh, put into like come to terms with what was actually going on. And instead of ruminating over the good in the relationship, it's also showing you what uh, what sacrifices you made, what didn't work out. And I think constantly looking at that can be really helpful. It just sounds like it would be really uh, healing, especially if you see them on a regular basis, which inevitably you will see them again.
1: Yeah. Zach, so I just want to add quickly just one thing to that listing. A lot of times people say to me, well, but I'm still very much in love with them, so it's hard for me to come up with a list. And I'm like, is it? Ask your friends. They'll be happy to tell you all the things they didn't tell you when you were with that person. So there's there's a
0: source of information you can go to if you're having trouble coming up with it. Yeah, that's definitely another thing. I feel like a lot of times friends just like hold back or maybe will suddenly hit at it things in the relationship, but after you break up, I think they can give you a way more honest uh, description of what was going on because they're not worried about hurting your feelings. Right. Yeah. And also, I mean, you touched upon this a little, but if we've been dating someone for a while, we become friends with their friends. We have daily routines, like you mentioned, and we have, like you have common interests together. So the lives of the two people are really integrated. And then when we lose that as well, I, what can we do instead?
1: Look, that can be really, really hard. I mean, there's some people who kind of gave up their friends and their circles to be with the friends and circles of the other person, and then they're kind of really left with nothing, and And all the friends are going to go with them because they were their friends and it was their circle of people. And that can be incredibly challenging, but that's part of the rebuild. And the lesson there is don't give up your friends when you're in a relationship. Don't give up your passions when you're in a relationship don't stop being with people that you enjoyed being with previously when you're in a relationship you don't have to do everything together you can have your life while they have their lives because when that does happen that's a very very difficult rebuild but the answer is what you can do you need to rebuild you need to you know reapproach the friends or find new ones or develop new circles and that's what i was saying earlier it's an intentional recovery. It's not a, I hope I'll feel better soon. You have to really put thought and effort and action into rebuilding and into recovering. And that could be, for example, really developing a new or different circle of friends or augmenting the friends you have that might be part of the story, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And from what I'm hearing that you're saying is that Oftentimes in a relationship, we'll sort of give up our lives, give up our friends, and just fully become attached to the other person's lifestyle, whether it's their friends, their interests. So I think even if you're in a relationship, being mindful of that, because when you break up or if you break up, it's just going to hurt a lot more because suddenly it feels like not just one part of your life, but several aspects of your life. And in some cases, all of your life just is upended by that breakup. So I think just if you're in a relationship, be mindful of like what you're doing for your partner. And then also if you're living your life the way you want to live it, the way you were living it before with all your interests and everything you want to do and your friends as well, because that's really important too. Um, So, yeah. And then also just separating yourself. Like it may be difficult to uh, distance yourself from those activities or those friends, but it's just so necessary because if you – are still in that place of doing those things it's just going to remind you of the person and you're not going to get over it as nearly as fast as if you're separating yourselves and being proactive like you said let me just say one
1: other thing about that when when people are in in college certainly when they're in
0: high school this is a
1: period of self-discovery it should be you're trying to discover what you're into, what you're good at, what you have passion for what what speaks to you, and that includes the subject matter of courses and stuff, but it includes people, it includes friendship, it includes the who's your crowd, who are your people, who are the people among which you feel most comfortable you There is that exploration, so it's on the one hand very difficult because you're likely to see them around campus, et etc. On the other hand, it comes at a time in your life where you need to do that exploring. Anyway, so to pivot back to that, to pivot to that, but let me go back to me and what I'm about and who I want to hang out with and who I feel my people are. It's a convenient time because you need to be doing that anyway. And there's so much to discover there anyway. So take advantage of that. Go back to that sense of curiosity, of exploration, of like, let me try this thing and see how I feel about it.
0: That's a great point because college is really a time to explore. And if you're trapped by the other person, and are trapped by just only pursuing things that the other person is interested in, it's not giving you the space to expand your mind and go after things you're genuinely interested in. So I think not like just avoiding that habit, it's very, very common. A lot of us do that, especially in like our first relationships, but we, we really need to pull away and set some boundaries. Like you could definitely pursue some of those things that your partner is interested in. But if you find your entire life is being spent doing uh, what your partner likes and just giving up your passions, then that's where it can be an actual problem.
1: Yeah, just just one other thing to say that It is fair to say to someone that you're dating or that you're with or that you are hanging out with, um, I'm going to go do this thing that you're not into. It's fine that you're not into it. We don't have to be into everything the other person is yeah. into. That's not a necessary part of the relationship. So you go do your stuff. I'm actually... Don't care that much about that. I'll go do my thing and we'll meet up later. That assumption of, I don't have to be into everything you're into for you to like me and vice versa. Don't have that expectation.
0: I'm I'm, I'm my own person. Is fair. Yeah, it's this common misconception that people in a relationship have to have almost all the same interests and have to do everything together. But that's actually not true. You could have different interests. You could, one person can go watch the sports game and another person can go um, watch the like favorite TV show. It's not like, now obviously there's going to be a lot of overlap, but it's not in a hundred percent crossover. It's like if you have a Venn diagram, there are going to be things that are in the middle category. And I think that's just something important to keep in mind, even like in a relationship. And also when you break up, it's just important to know that. And now the last thing that I think many people want to know is we've talked a lot about how we can get through a breakup, but how can we help our friend who's going through one?
1: So first of all, what we know is that social support is very, very useful for people who are going through a breakup. It's, it's very important for them to feel that they can talk to people, that there are people there who, who can hear them, who can validate their Feelings, and as a friend, the best thing you can do, uh, which is by the way true of most hardships people go through listen listening, and, and I always give this example when when you study psychology or when you study to be a therapist, you very, very early on get put in a room with someone who's your patient when you have zero skills yet to help them, and so the instruction you're given at the beginning when you have zero skills is just listen just listen and validate their feelings because that is incredibly incredibly powerful so being able to listen to the person and to validate their feelings and to give them compassion is very 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 useful if it's a very close friend you might also want to do some tweaking in case you hear them doing the idealizing about oh but they were the only they were my soulmate and you know, you can say to them nah, Kind of, except if they were your soulmate, they wouldn't have hated your mother and they wouldn't have, you know, been so angry at your sibling and they wouldn't have been so dismissive to your friends. And so maybe not so much your soulmate kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? In other words, you can really point out to them uh, when they're really going off the rails in terms of the idealizing. But mostly it's about providing support, about saying to them, hey, you know, I'm going to this thing. Come join me. It'll, It'll do you good. To To leave the room, like you can be that that is incredibly, incredibly valuable. The one last thing to keep in mind is that it might take them longer to get over it than you think it should. It might have been something very brief, and you 're like connie oh, didn 't even see them for that long what 's the big deal there 's no subjective standard there for heartbreak. You can get heartbroken after a very short amount of time. Just try and be patient and
0: just try and show them compassion.
1: Because that is incredibly, incredibly useful.
0: I want to emphasize that last point because I feel like, at least from my experience, we'll think, oh, they should be over this by now or that shouldn't hurt. But in reality, I don't think we should be the judges of how bad something hurts. I think we could provide a good reality check, like keep them keep them grounded. But I think to a certain extent, it's like, if it really hurt them, we have to be aware of that. And we just have to listen. And moving on as a process, it's not going to be over in a couple of days. It's not going to be over if you go out right one, one night um, and have a good time and meet someone else. It's really a process. And that's just really important to keep in mind as a friend. Absolutely. All right. Well, that looks like it's going to do it, but thanks so much, Guy. This was a great conversation. I'm really glad to have you on today and talk about breakups because I know, I mean, everyone goes through them in college, especially. So yeah, I, I think this is going to be really great for them to hear. And now what resources can people go to if they want to learn more?
1: Um, first of all, they can go to guywinch.com, G-U-I-W-I-N-C-H dot com that's my website you'll see links to uh that talk about heartbreak that ted talk um there's also a book called how to fix a broken heart i've written a bunch of articles about it as well they can listen to my podcast with Lori gottlieb um called Dear therapists in our first episode we ever did was about heartbreak and there are a lot of takeaways that people can gain from that um, but get informed again when it comes to emotional health get informed we're not taught these things in school it's so unfortunate that we're not right because we all go through it but there's so much information out there get the information get armed and then be intentional and 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 take control of your recovery
0: got it all right thanks so much Um, so yeah go check that out go check out his socials ted talk his book and his various podcasts and thanks so much for listening everyone